Hello, hello, ladies. Hello. It is Friday. It is the day we come together and break bread. Amen. Um, today, we are going to have a powerful episode. So come into the room. We do the podcast live because we want to make sure that if you want to engage, if you want to ask a question, you can comment. If you um, want to come into the um, episode and add value, um, you are able to do so. All you got to do is um, call in and or just leave a comment and I will be happy to um, to share and allow you to put bring your input put here to our conversation today because it's a great conversation so welcome 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 to the purity after promiscuity podcast i'm your host Janelle renee and this is the place where we get together and we are redefining a woman's worth welcome to all my loyal listeners i appreciate you all thank you very much for sticking it out we've been doing this for a little over a year and it has been an amazing journey and i appreciate each and every one of you and to all my new listeners hey girl welcome welcome to our community we are here to empower uplift encourage one another to have success to walk this journey of having purity in our lives, being pure before the Lord and offering our bodies as living sacrifices. But purity doesn't just stop at the body. It's about a mindset. You got to have a mindset. Your mind needs to be pure, right? Your motive should be pure. So purity is it's just so um, multifaceted. We don't want to just focus just on the body because as Christians, as believers, everything that we do, everything we have should be pleasing, a pleasing aroma unto the Lord. And so that's what we're here doing. We're redefining a woman's worth as we're working, walking out this journey as true women of God. And so I just am so excited for today's topic. We're still in our series, Is It Worth the Wait? And today is um, how to conquer your lust, conquering your lust. Um, this is a huge topic. Um, and this is something I feel like is we really need to dive into. It may be maybe a two, three part um, series just on this topic itself, because lust is just something that um, our generation in particularly is truly um, encountering, battling with. Um, it's so up in our face. Um, we are really living in a um in, in, in a time where, you know, people are promoting all forms of lust, not just sexually, but even, you know, if you're lusting after, you know, a position, if you're lusting after money, if you're lusting after a job, if you're lusting after a certain lifestyle, whatever the case may be, it's all, you know, you only live once, do what you got to do. You know, I got to do me, you know, it's always do what you, what makes you happy and, you know, all of these things. So, as believers, we are supposed to operate in self-control. We're supposed to operate, um, you know, and being content with all whatever the Lord has given us in the moment. Um, we are supposed to be good stewards over everything God has given us, right? The Bible says if you do well over little, he'll make you ruler over much. How many of us know that doing well over little means taking care of stew? What do you do what you have right now? So we're going to get into it. So again, welcome to the Purity After Promiscuity podcast, where we are redefining a woman's worth. And so um, today we're going to talk about conquering our lust and really need to get an understanding of what is lust, right? And so I know for me, I always felt like I had a insatiable appetite, right? And especially when it came to like things that um, were not good. Um, because I, as I spoke out before in other episodes, is I really struggled with masturbation and pornography. 
And so I want to use that as an example um, because I feel like it is a good example of a form of what a form of lust is, right? Because lust, you can lust, like I said, after anything. And so I'm going to look up the definition of lust and then we're going to get into it. And so it says lust is a very strong sexual desire, have a very strong sexual desire for someone, right? And so when we think of lust, we're going to think about lust in the way that God did not design it to be. Because having an attraction for someone, like if you're married or you're about to get married and you're, you know, you're really attracted to your fiance, your husband, your wife, whatever. Um, of course, if you're a man, your wife, but if you're, um, desiring even sexually because a lot of times in the christian community people wants to make um having sexual desire like it's unnatural um or like it's a bad thing and i'm like it's not a bad thing it's a bad thing when it becomes um outside of the will of god right because god gave it to us he wants us to be drawn to and be attracted to and have a desire for that person that he ordained us to be with for that spouse right so i mean i know me i'm not married yet i'm going to be married soon but i know i want to be attracted to my spouse i want to desire my spouse i want to you know want to be with my spouse so there's a level of desire that needs to be there but when you when it when it goes over into the lust realm that's where you're having this insatiable desire and so for me like i said um masturbation was an insatiable desire for me in um pornography not sex in and of itself but those are just a form of sex if you know what the um definition of fornication is um that's another definition i'm actually going to look up and give you guys what um the dictionary um says and not just give you guys my opinion um but fornication um in a nutshell is really just um any type of sex outside of the marriage bed right it says sexual intercourse between people not married to each other so that's just a very basic broad definition so that means any type of sexual activity outside of you and your spouse is fornication that includes oral sex that includes masturbation that includes uh pornography that includes fantasies sexting you know calling the sex hotline you know whatever it is you're doing to initiate some type of sexual desire that leads you to some type of self-gratification some type of sexual activity that is fornication sex between the two people of the same sex that is fornication when someone is being um you know desiring a child pedophilia that's fornication when someone has been molested or you know raped that's fornication because again the basic the definition of fornication is sexual intercourse between people not married to each other so it don't count if it's two people married but they're married to two different people and y'all having sex that's adultery and it's fornication and so now that we got what lust is having a strong sexual desire um or a strong sexual desire for a particular person those are the things that we really want to talk about today because these are the things that we really need to have a a very clear definition of what they are because a lot of times i think we use words we use terminology and we don't know really what it means and a lot of times people debate things because they don't know that it's just a very clear cut and dry like fornication is fornication we're not going to pretty it up. We're not going to dress it up. We're going to call it a spade a spade, right? Lust. It is lust. 
It is something that is an outside of the will of God for us. It is a un- insatiable desire where this desire seems like it is it can't be quenched. Right. And so how do you overcome that? And so I want to um, give my own testimony about how I overcame my um, sh- my struggle, my battle with lust, because it was a battle indeed. Um, a lot of times we are taught or even maybe we we just have a perception or a um, idea that when you become a Christian, when you become saved, that all of these things that you did um in your in your life or these habits these addictions um these strongholds and all of these things are just going to disappear and um, for some people that is the case right but for, for most of us it's not and so it's now going to become a battle because your flesh does not want to submit unto your spirit unto the spirit of god in you right and your flesh ha- is so used and so conditioned to you doing what it wants you to do you've been feeding that lust monster however long like for me it was decades because i um began um being opened up to lust at a young age um as a young very young child when i was first molested by a family member and that just literally and like this is why um the bible says what it says um and i'm about to go to it y'all might hear me flipping through my pages yeah because sometimes or not sometimes all the time i just like to let holy spirit have his way sometimes i have an idea of what we're going to talk about and then others i don't and so um I don't often know where Holy Spirit is going to lead, but we are going to the word right now. I'm in James 1 and 15, and it says, but each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. Or you can even say lust, right? And it says, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Wow. When I say this, literally these two scriptures, because it was um, James chapter one, verses 14 to 15. These really encompass and embody exactly uh, what I experienced. So a lot of times we don't feel like because we we didn't initiate something or we wasn't in in agreement with something or because something happened to us that that we're not necessarily going to be impacted in certain ways. And so I want to encourage all of us who have had different um, traumatic experiences growing up or sometime in your life, because it doesn't just happen in childhood. Sometimes you you experience sexual abuse in your teenage years, in your adolescent years, even in your adult years. Like I was raped in my adult years. So it's not just about childhood. It does happen in childhood a lot, but it can be at any time. And yes, we are the victim. An individual violated us. They took our body or, you know, they took something that we didn't want to give them, right? They they forced themselves upon us and what they did was absolutely wrong and they should be held accountable. But here's the part that we don't know and the part that the enemy wants to keep us blind to is the fact that when it comes to the spirit realm, the spirit realm doesn't necessarily work on logic in the way we in the natural do. So our logical mind is going to say, well, I was the victim. It happened to me. I was not in agreement with it. I said, no, this person forced himself on me. So I shouldn't be held accountable or there should not be no negative um, repercussions 
spiritually because there will be negative repercussions in the natural right because you can have some pain you can have some tearing you might get pregnant um you know you can get a disease you know you that person just could physically um be violent you know during the process so you will have some some physical consequences however there are some spiritual consequences that take place that we are not aware of and a lot of times we live in life and we don't understand why there's a certain area we can't break through it seems like we just keep hitting a wall because there's like some kind of invisible force preventing us from pro uh from advancing um in, in a certain area and a lot of times when a person is um sexually abused in my um experience and in me talking to other people who may have had that same similar type of history is it, it always it, it's always like you you have a real difficulty in relationships for whatever reason right and why is that well like i said i was molested and from being molested that ended up turning into me just start having a feeling down there right there started something was awakened right the bible tells us in the song of songs or the song of solomon like do not awaken love before it's time right well there are certain things like in our body physically like sexual desire sexuality um and all of these things should not be awakened before their time they should not be awakened in your state of immaturity because you don't know how to handle it you don't know how to steward it you don't know how to control it so you shouldn't be violated it shouldn't be awakened it shouldn't be opened up but unfortunately things happen and and it is and then it and then next thing you know it, it just turns into a just a plethora of things right and so the seed is sown through the molestation which is fornication now what does it seem fair and this is the part that the enemy really how he has just really taken a hold of a lot of us is we're held accountable spiritually for that and a door is opened, right? Because now we we have done something illegal spiritually, right? The Bible tells us to flee fornication, to flee the lust of our youth, right? We are not to have sex outside of marriage. So even though you were not a willing participant, once it happened and you were involved, your body was involved, it's like your body is a shell, right? Your body was involved with your houses, your spirit and your soul. And so those things are still impacted. This is why after you experience some kind of abuse or some kind of sexual abuse, your mentally you change emotionally emotionally you change but the part that we don't see is the spiritual but that changes too and so next thing you know i got this this feeling down there i don't know i don't really know what to do with it i don't know really why it's there but i all i know is now it's like i need to satisfy it and so that's where masturbation came in and i started masturbating um and then um I don't know how long after I started just masturbating where me and a couple cousins was at a family member's house and we stumbled across porn and um, that just really bursted it wide open. And so then it went from masturbating because I got that same feeling that I was getting without looking at anything. I was getting that same feeling not watching porn. But see, you see the progression, right? So again, I'm a little child. I'm innocent. I don't even know what sex is. I don't know what molestation is. I don't know what, you know, none of this stuff is. I'm too young, right? But it still impacted me.
physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And so now I find myself having a desire, having a lust awakened that shouldn't have been awakened because I'm too immature to handle it. I don't know what to do with it. And so now I'm struggling in secret because I don't even have the courage to, to tell my family I'm struggling. I don't have the courage to tell my family I was molested. And so I just was trying to deal with it within myself. And I started to just go down this rabbit hole. So it started from me being molested to me all of a sudden desiring out of nowhere to want to masturbate and then getting exposed to porn. And then next thing you know, getting a desire for porn. And so it was this it was this progression over time that birthed this lust in me. And by the time I was 11, 12 years old, I was full on in a whirlwind and headed straight into addiction to pornography and masturbation because I was then being controlled by lust and I had no idea. And it's it's exactly what the Bible says here that I just read in James where it says that then after desire has conceived, see, so the conception was the fornication that happened when I was molested. Even though I didn't participate willingly, it still happened. And because it still happened, it was that's when lust was conceived. That's where the transfer, because see, the person who did the molesting, obviously they had a spirit. Obviously, they had a spirit of lust. Obviously, they had a spirit of perversion in them for them to even do what they did to me. And so, see, what we don't all understand also with any type of sex, and this is why the sin of sex is so dangerous, is because it is legally an open door. It's created through intercourse, and there's a transfer. So whatever is on that person automatically gets transferred onto you and the and the, the bad thing about that is what the devil knows that most of us don't know is age don't matter your your willingness and participation in it doesn't matter the moment you engage because it's a principle it's a law god said for us not to have sex outside of marriage which is what fornication is any type of sex outside of marriage so the moment we engaged in this breaching of God's law, that gave the enemy legal access to come in. And so the seed was sown through the molestation, but then the transfer of that lust from that person came on to me as a child. And because I didn't know, I wasn't knowledgeable. I'm a kid. What do I know? Because, you know, I didn't feel safe and feel confident that I could confide into my mother, confide into a family member what had happened to me and what I was experiencing, I became a slave to lust. So the seed and the conception that started in my childhood, it just grew and grew. And the more I fed it, because like I said, I turned, I turned into having an addiction really quick. It got out of control quickly because that's the whole agenda of the enemy. He wants to drop a bomb on you. He is relentless. He don't care. He's not, he don't, he's no, not concerned with, with your situation, your circumstance, your age. It, his whole, his whole mindset is to kill, steal, and destroy. So it, to him, it's like, if I can kill you in, in utero, if I can get your parents to abort you, if I can, you know, if I can kill you, you know, during birth, you know, if, if something happens and you die during birth, if I can kill you after you're born, you know, and get your, get someone to abuse you or murder you or to throw you away or whatever the case may be, if I can get somebody to come in and violate you at, at a very young age, he doesn't care. 
He doesn't care. All he care about is he wants to drop the bomb. He wants to drop the bomb on you whenever he can. And for him, the sooner he can do it is the better for him. Why? Because like I said, when you're a child or you're a babe, you're immature. You lack knowledge. You're not aware. You don't have the skills, the mind. You're not developed yet to be able to handle certain things, especially sex and sexuality and lust. So here I am as a young girl, just this thing is just it is just spiraling out of control and i found myself just being completely immersed and addicted to lust and that manifested in pornography and masturbation which led me to go down a path where once i started really engaging into sex on my own when i decided to make the choice to fornicate then I, it led me down after a couple heartbreaks i ended up going down the path of promiscuity so you see the, the progression, you see how one, one act, one thing, it can just literally, it, it, gets, it can just explode and it can become this big insatiable monster. Well, that's what happens when lust enters in and that's, that's the agenda. And so then the enemy doesn't have to use somebody else to violate me and to get me to do it unwillingly anymore see that happened in childhood once i made the choice out of my ignorance because i didn't grow up in a household and in, in a family that taught about being pure that taught about keeping yourself that taught about not having sex that taught about you know the the standards and the values you know as a woman and the bible and what the lord says i didn't grow up in that kind of household so for me what what did i see i grew up in an environment of lust so not only was the seed planted in me through the molestation, it was then conceived and I started having just being turned on for no reason. You know, just having a feeling down there for no reason that, that caused me to want to satisfy it. Then it turned into masturbation. Then it turned into pornography. So then it was like once I made the choice to, to fornicate on my own, all the enemy had to do is he continued to allow me to connect to the wrong person so now the men i'm dating now the men i'm fornicating with they also have a, a spirit of lust they also are dealing with perversion so if there's constantly being transferred that spirit in, is that spirit of lust is constantly being fed and strengthened because i'm constantly engaging it so the next thing you know the appetite that lust couldn't be satisfied so it wasn't enough for me to fornicate with men then it became i started fornicating with women not because i was wanted to be in a relationship with a woman or not because i want was wanted to be gay or lesbian simply because i wanted to satisfy this appetite and at that point it didn't matter who it was it, it i had boundaries right it wasn't gonna be a child it wasn't gonna be an animal but it when it came down to making the choice of of just it being a man that went out the window because it wasn't about the person anymore. It was about me wanting to satisfy this craving that I had. So the lust began to grow and grow and grow and, and, and morals really, if I had any, they flew out the window. If, if there was a standard that I had, it flew out the window because now I'm being driven less and less by my spirit and more and more by my flesh because that is the progression of lust. 
And this is how the Bible says in James 1 and 15, it says, then after desire, see the desire started with me, started having that tingling feeling after I was molested. And it was conceived when I started acting on it and I started masturbating. Then it gave birth to sin. Now I'm full-fledged in fornication. Like there's no thought. I'm not feeling no conviction. Everyone around me is fornicating. Like I said, my parents, I grew up with my mom and my bonus dad in the home. They was together almost my whole entire life. They were never married. So they were in sin. They were fornicating. You know, my grandmother, my uncle, my, I mean, everybody, my cousins, people were not married. And then those that were married, some got a divorce. And so, you know, now all I'm seeing is fornication. So it, of course, I didn't have any conviction because I didn't know it was wrong. So I kept putting fuel on the fire. I kept putting fuel. I kept engaging and feeding it. And the more I fed it, the stronger it became. So now, fast forward decades. In real life, can you imagine feeding? It's like having a, a monster as a pet. And you're constantly feeding it all the time, year after year. You know, however often, right? You're feeding it. You're feeding it. It's just growing and growing and growing. And finally, one day, you decide... I don't want this monster no more. I want to get rid of it. And you think that that monster is just going to go away. Well, no. Why? That monster is so huge. It's so strong. That monster has gotten so comfortable in your environment, which you feeding it, that now it refuses to leave. And because it's so strong and so big, now you can't handle it. It's like you you don't have the strength, you don't have the capacity to get it out. That's what it's like when you have dealt with lust. And you whatever your lust is, however it manifests, it doesn't matter. There's no hierarchy. There's no good, you know, no, no small lust, no big lust. Lust is lust. And the more we begin to be honest with ourselves and call things what it is, the more we can get to a place of conquering, right? So once I got to the place where I was no longer going to be straddling the fence and being lukewarm and I wanted to be serious about my faith and serious about my relationship with God. And I really wanted to, once I got the, the knowledge and the revelation, because here, this is why the Bible says my people perish. For a lack of knowledge. Because as long as you don't know, you don't have the tools to to undo or to break or to stop doing something that is a sin and that's disconnecting you from God and giving the enemy a place in your life. The Bible says give the devil no place. That means don't engage in his stuff. Don't fornicate. Don't do anything. Like a lot of people want to say, oh, well, you know, oral sex is an idiot. You're having a sexual activity out, not with your spouse outside of marriage, right? Oh, well, I just, you know, you know, we just masturbated. I just jacked him off or he just, you know, did this. It's still using your body in a sexual way to satisfy a sexual desire. It is fornication. Talking, talking about it, role playing, fantasizing about it. It doesn't matter because Jesus said, 
If a man looks at a woman and lusts after her, for he's already committed adultery. Why is that? Because a lot of our minds are so powerful. What we think in our mind often will become our reality. That's why the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the rivers of life. Whatever so a man thinketh, so is he. So if you even just thinking about it, fantasizing about it, reminiscing about old boy that you used to be with, you know, reminiscing about so-and-so, all of those things is still opening that door and it's still giving the enemy a legal right to come and wreak havoc in your life. And now you can't understand why no matter what you do, you try to have a successful relationship. It just don't work. You try to engage, you know, in a healthy relationship and you can't seem, you know, you can't seem to get it right. It, it, like you keep attracting the same type of man. You know, every time you get in a relationship, it's like you're dating the same man with a different face because that's a familiar spirit. Because what the, what the enemy want to keep us blind to the moment we the door is open for for uh when we have that unconfessed sin, the moment that door opens up, he's sending demons and spirits. And a lot of times those spirits are coming through people because spirits have to have a body. They don't have legal access here in, in the natural realm to just be, you know, to, to just be here. So they have to inhabit something. That's why transfer and agreement, especially when it comes to intercourse, is so vital because that is one of the main ways demons transfer. And so you you can't figure out why you can't get a person off your mind or it seems like you want to leave this relationship because you know he's not right. You know he's cheating. You know he's lying. He don't, he dog you. You know, he only call you at night. He only hit you up with the hey big head text. You know, y'all don't have no kind of um, relationship. Y'all don't go out. Y'all don't hang out. You know, and even if y'all do, it's somewhere on the low. You know, you know it ain't right, but you feel like you, you want to leave, but you can't because see, you now you got a soul tie. So the enemy uses all of these things to keep us in bondage. And that's why we have to conquer our lust. So when I got to the point where I really like it became a battle because just because you saved or just because you want to live for God does not mean that the thing that you've been doing all your life or however many long is just going to go away. That's where that battle comes in. That's why the Bible talks about that warring between the flesh and the spirit. Because now your flesh is like, nah, sis. We've been doing, we've been rocking and rolling. We've been doing this for X amount of years. You ain't about to just, nah, but your spirit is like, no, but this is a sin and I want to honor God and I love God and I want to do right. This is why Paul said the good in me, I want to do, I don't do. And the thing that I don't want to do, I do. Right. Because they're like in my mind, I love your law, Lord. But see, there's another law at work in my members. What is that law? That is the law of sin. So it's a battle and we got to be intentional to to get to a place where we can conquer that thing. And the first thing you got to do is you got to be honest. You just got to be honest with yourself and with God. Like. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of fornication. I'm guilty of perversion. I'm guilty. I need a savior. Save me. Forgive me. Save me from me. Right? Like the more we are in denial, the more we try to downplay it, the more difficult it's going to be for us to get free because we really don't think we wrong. 
And see, God, he can work with you when you come to him with a heart of penitence and you are honest and you admit, look, I'm a sinner, God, and I'm a sinner in need of salvation. And I can't do this on my own. This thing is bigger than me, God. I've been, I've, I've been fed this demon for so long and now it's stronger than me. So I need you to come help me. I need you to empower me. I need you to send the angels to come. Like you need to be honest and invite God in because see, that's another thing. We think God just superimposes himself in all our situations and he don't. That's why the Bible says you have not because you ask not. We got to ask God to come in. Like there are times where I literally did not want to masturbate. Like the conviction, because see, the, it started in the mind. I got the knowledge. I started getting the right teachings. I started coming, uh, stumbling across teachings on YouTube about pornography, about masturbation, about sexual sin, about soul ties, about fornication. Like all of these things that I had never heard. And I had been in the church for some years at that point, but I still didn't hear these particular teachings. It was these teachings that opened my eyes and now I got the revelation. So once I got the revelation that, wait, this is wrong. Like, wait, this is, this is something. This is, this is sin. Like, oh no, wait. Like, this is a spirit I'm dealing with. Oh no. Like, like when the revelation started to come, oh, this is why I've been doing this, or this is why I've gone through this, or this is why. When it started to click and make sense, and next thing you know, conviction came in. Now I don't want to fornicate no more. Now I don't want to have sex outside of marriage no more. Now I don't want to foreign, uh, I don't want to masturbate and watch pornography no more. But guess what? Just because the revelation and the thought was in my mind, I made a decision. I didn't want to do it. That didn't stop my body and that lust from driving me and controlling me and causing me a lot of times when I didn't want to masturbate. Now I understand I understand physically what that scripture in, in Romans mean when Paul said, I, the thing I don't want to do, I do. Because there were times, God is my witness, where I did not want to masturbate and watch pornography. But something in me was like it was driving me and controlling me. And, and it was like I just had to give in. And once I gave in, I would literally be crying, snotting, broke down. I mean, literally, like... It felt like everything in me was just breaking because I truly didn't want to do it, but I don't didn't understand why I continued to do it. So then that's when that condemnation would come in. You know, that's where guilt and shame came in. So for years I hid. I hid the fact that I was struggling with pornography and masturbation because I was embarrassed. I didn't want to be judged. I was in the church. I was a Christian. I started to feel like what, you know, questioning my salvation. Am I really a Christian? Because see, when you don't have the right teachings, you that's the, those are the lies the enemy starts sowing in your mind. Because we don't understand that just because you are battling or struggling with sin does not mean you're not saved. That means you're saved because now you have a consciousness and awareness that there's a part of you that don't want to do it, which is the spirit of God in you. But then you're warned against your flesh that wants to do it. And it gets to the point where we have to bring our flesh under the subjection of our spirit. That's why the Bible says when you sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. So sowing to the flesh is continuing to, to willfully masturbate, continue to willfully, you know, fornicate, continue to willfully watch pornography. What do I mean by willfully? Like me just making the choice to do it. 
because that's just what I want to do. It's different when you're making a choice to do something and you're struggling and you're battling and you fall into something. Those are two different things. And see, when you constantly are feeding that lust and feeding your flesh, the Bible says you're going to reap corruption. And that's why things in your life don't work out. That's why it seems like every time you get just this close to to crossing over to, you know, whatever that desire is, whatever that aspiration is, whatever that goal is. And then it's like the bottom falls out or no matter how hard you try, no matter how beautiful you are, it's like you just can't seem to get a good relationship. You know, you even got strife and you got quarreling and your 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 relationship with your family and friends are tumultuous. You just can't seem to catch a break. It seems like every time you turn your head, life is happening to you. That is by design. That is by design because the enemy don't want you to get free. So he wants to bombard you and keep you so distracted with this problem and that problem and this issue and that person and that disappointment and that heartache and that heartache. So it's going to take you so long to try to get out of those things. By the time you can dig yourself out, he bombard you with more because he knows the only way he has a legal right is if he has an open door. So he don't want you to know that what you're doing is wrong. He don't want you to know that it's sinning against you. You sinning against your body. You sinning against God. He don't want you to know. He don't want you to try to walk in self-control and, and, and be offering your body as a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service unto the Lord. He don't want you to be holy for God is holy. He don't want you to flee the lust of your youth and flee fornication. He don't want you to do that. He don't want you to stop living whatever kind of promiscuous lifestyle you're living and, and stop. See, because what that does is it really feeds not just the lust in us. It also feeds our selfishness because we have a mentality. I'm going to just do what I want to do. And see, you can't have that mentality and God be your God because you your God now or lust is your God because you're so you're so in tune with you're so in agreement with satisfying every thought that come into your mind every desire that come into your heart you just want to do it so you have no self-control the bible tell us the fruit of the spirit you know is goodness gentleness kindness patience um self-control um faithfulness joy you know all of these things right but when you are living out of your flesh and living out of lust you're not living out of self-control you're not living out of joy you're not living out of gentleness you're not living out of goodness you're not living out of peace right you're living out of I got to just satisfy what I got to satisfy this appetite. I got to do what my flesh want me to do. And so you're not now you're you're you, you an idolatry because now lust is your idol. Now sex is your idol. Fornication is your idol. That's your God because you're doing what it's telling you to do versus doing what the word of God is telling you to do. So now we want to come to a place where we're going to conquer this monster. And I had to really build a foundation so we can understand like what lust is and how it looks and how it grows and how it manifests. And see, the end of this scripture in James 1 and 15, it says, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. This is why the Bible also says the wages of sin is death. What does that mean? Because we still alive. I know I was living in sin. I know I was guilty of this. I know I was living and, and satisfying my flesh and doing all the things that I've done. But I'm still alive physically. So what died? Well, the first thing that dies when we start to sin is that intimacy with God. 
that's what we see in the Garden of Eden, right? Because God told them don't eat of the of the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, sure or surely they die. But it wasn't a physical death. It was worse. It was the spiritual death. It was the death of the intimacy to have that connection, that deep connection with God. See, Adam used to walk with God. Adam used to be face to face with God. God used to walk through the garden in the cool of the day and Adam used to just be there, you know, so he had a intimacy. He had a direct connection to God that was that died. As a result, they got casted out of the out of the Garden of Eden. They got casted out of the Garden of Eden. That represented the death. And see, they didn't physically die. But what did God kill? He killed animals and he covered them. My God, my shit. Oh, that's what the blood does. So we don't have to live in condemnation even when we sin and, and that sin disconnects us from God because now we have grace and now we have the blood of Jesus that when we come to God and we ask for forgiveness and we repent, which means you stop, you turn around and go back towards God. You stop the doing it, right? When you do that, the blood, it covers you. But the enemy's agenda is to keep you disconnected. And that's what sin does. And the more you sin, the more desensitized you can become. Where eh, it don't bother you as much. Mm, you don't, you're not really, you, you're not impacted as much. You know, you don't feel, you know, you're not really convicted as much because you're desensitizing yourself because you can keep practicing it. Anything you practice, you get good at. So when you practice sin, you just get good at it. Right? And so now we want to get, we want to conquer this lust so we can get back in that intimacy with God, that closeness with God. Cause see, God is so holy. He can't, he can't be, get close to you when you defiled. And that's what, that's what fornication does. It defiles us. So God can't, he can't come as close because you know, you, you, now you got that barrier. So and the first thing I did, like it started with the revelation. Like I had to get the right teaching. I had to get the right knowledge that opened my eyes to the fact, oh, this is wrong. This is a sin. Oh, the Bible says this about, for, this is what fornication is. Oh, th this is, this is why, you know, this is what a soul tie is. This is what happened. Oh, this is how the enemy continues to come in and, you know, from this door because I'm doing this, you know, it started to all make sense. So I got the revelation, the conviction came. I started crying out to God, even though I was still struggling. And a lot of times I was failing at first because I'm going to be quite honest with you. When you finally make the decision, Decision. don't think it's going to be easy can God just supernaturally take it from you yes will he do that at sometimes for some people yes but do he do that all the time not so much why because what you gain in the process what you learn in the process of overcoming you now are equipped to teach it to somebody else so I started crying out to God and then I needed to start breaking soul ties because see, that's another thing that the enemy want to keep us blind to. Every person you have sex with, you created a soul tie. The Bible tells us, oh gosh, where is it? I think it's in Corinthians. You can look it up. If you just Google, um, Paul said, do you not know if you join yourself to a harlot, you become one flesh with her, right? And then we know in Genesis um, 2 and 24, 
the Bible says, for this reason, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and they become one flesh. But isn't it interesting how a man can leave his father and mother's house and be joined to his wife and they become one flesh? But then also in the New Testament, it tells us that you can be joined to a harlot and you become one flesh with her. That means Becoming one flesh is not contingent upon who the person is to you. Becoming one flesh is contingent upon you joining your body with them. My good. My God, that's a word. That's why every person you have sex with in the spirit realm, you, you made a covenant with them. Because that's what covenant was designed for. That's why God don't want us to have sex outside of marriage. Not because he the, you know, fun police. Not because he don't want us to enjoy our bodies and enjoy life. Simply because he knows that the tactics of the enemy and how destructive doing this can be. And so now every person, can you imagine that for one moment? And here we are, and, and at least for me, desiring marriage, right? Wanting to have a healthy relationship. Wanting to be in love. Wanting to be with just one person in the natural and spiritually, but not realizing that I'm already spiritually married to several other people that I had sex with before. And if you don't go back and break those soul ties, they're still there. This is why you can be in a relationship with somebody different and you having dreams that somebody, maybe your ex, maybe somebody you crushed on, or maybe even a stranger is coming having sex with you in the dream. Why? That's a familiar spirit coming and, and you think it's just a dream because see, that's what we're taught. No, it's not because we not necessarily, it's not a dream when we're asleep. What it is, is our body, our conscious body is asleep, but our spirit is very much awake because it never sleeps. Just like the Bible tells us God never sleeps and we're created in his image, right? So our spirit don't go to sleep. Our body does. And our spirit is very much active in the spirit realm. And the spirit realm is very real. And everything that happened in the spirit, it happens there first and then it happens in the natural. So every time you have that dream and that person is coming and having sex with you in that dream and you just don't think it's nothing or you think it's a wet dream or you think it's maybe you just need some or whatever people tell you. That's really a demon disguising itself as a human because most of us, even in our spirit, not going to have sex with a crazy looking demon or monster. So they disguise themselves as someone that you know or that you trust to deceive you and you have sex with them. You have intercourse with them. What is that doing? It's creating a covenant in the spirit realm. And what is happening now that that spirit has a legal right to you and now it has a legal right to wreak havoc in your life as a legal right to mess up your relationship as a legal right to mess up your marriage it has a legal right to do all these things why because you are in a covenant with it that's why when you see something like that in your dream you immediately wake up and you i bind that covenant that that, that i came into agreement with it with that demon that familiar spirit in the name of jesus i come out of agreement with the covenant the agreement i break it i bind it i, I divorce it i renounce it i denounce it in jesus name i am in covenant lord, with my lord and savior i'm in the covenant of grace the covenant of the blood you know you gotta you have to bind and break it soon you wake up otherwise it will be established and see these are the things that the enemy want to keep us keep us uh ignorant to so we'll never get free 
And so we just constantly just just going through life and aimlessly roaming through life, not understanding why things ain't working out, why we can't, you know, we desire marriage, we desire love, and we just, it seems like it keeps fleeing us. Yes, it's fleeing. Why? Because you have a, a spirit, you have a spiritual spouse that is repelling it. You have a spiritual spouse that is chasing every, maybe there was a man that came and was your husband or wanted to be with you, but this spiritual spouse has a legal right and it's, and it's chasing them away. But the door for this is the door of lust. That's why you got to go back to the root first. So I had to go back and identify what, what how, where did this, how did this thing even get in me? How did it get conceived? And that's when I had to go back to my childhood. And then I had to really do some digging and discover that it just didn't start with me. That unfortunately, lust and perversion really is very heavy and has been heavy in my family. That a lot of people in my family have been molested by other family members. Incest, rape, homosexuality, you know, fornication. That this stuff was really like hidden in my family and people knew about it and they just would turn a blind eye to it. So now I had to realize that it didn't, wasn't just me. This thing was generational. It was it was something the enemy had done over and over and over again in my generation. And most of the, my family has been bound. Because the majority of them had are not yet saved. And so now I have to go and I got to start praying. I got to start fasting. I got to start repenting. Yes, repenting. Re you have to repent for everything you did for your sin of transgression and iniquity. And sometimes by the leading of the Holy Spirit, you even got to go further, especially if it's generational. And you got to repent for for the act of what your ancestors did. And and, so, and we can think in our mind, well, that's not fair. Why should we? Why am I held accountable? Why? Because the Bible tells us that when the father sinned, that the Lord will put the sin upon the third and fourth generation. So there are some things that will be just what they call generational curses. And in order to break it, you have to you have to take it upon yourself. Like Nehemiah, when he felt the, the grieving of the of his spirit, when he found out the condition of Jerusalem, he he repented. Now, he was he's living in uh he's living in Babylon or somewhere under a king. He's not even in Jerusalem. He ain't doing nothing with these what they're doing there. But he understood that what they, the reason why the wall had been down for a hundred years and their defense was down, the Lord had left them, they become a mockery, they were in a state of desolation. It was because of the sin, of the unrepentant sin of the forefathers. So when he started to pray to God, he repented for the sin of his father's house and him. But see, again, these are things that we're not taught and we don't know to do. Is it, is it fair? It's not about being fair. It's about the principle. What does the principle say? What does the Bible say? The Bible's, the Bible is principles. It's laws and principles. And this is why the enemy is an accuser of the brethren because he knows the laws. Because we, we tend to forget he used to be an angel. He lived in heaven. He was the angel that brought God's glory. He was the angel of worship. He was the most beautiful angel. There was not an angel, another angel, and it has not been another angel like him. So we, we have to take into consideration. He knows way more than we do, especially about spiritual things. 
And that's what he does. That's how he gains advantage, keeping us blind, keeping us in darkness to these spiritual concepts and laws. And the moment we violate the law, he goes before the father. He accuses us. And then, you know, because God is not going to he's not going to contradict himself. He's not going to break his own law. It, we got to break it. We got to come. We I mean, we got to come out of agreement. We got to repair the breach. See, the wall of Jerusalem was broke down. Right. And what was Nehemiah's assignment? He needed to go repair the wall or repair the breach in the wall. So repairing the breach is going back and repenting. Repairing the breach is fasting and praying. Repairing the, repairing the breach is coming out of agreement, breaking the covenant and literally putting up strong boundaries, not not being in environments that can take you back, not being, you know, not doing the same thing that can reopen the door. Because what does the Bible say? The Bible says that when a spirit is cast out, that he goes to find rest and he finds none. Then he comes back to his old house and see it empty and swept and clean, but it's not occupied. Then he goes get seven more spirits, more vicious than him. And then they go back into the house. Why? Because this time they don't want to leave. So when you conquer it, when you when you get the revelation, when you discover the root and Holy Spirit will lead you like that's really like, yes, I, I watch teachings. Um, there, there are teachings like right now I've listened to. Um, there's a guy called Stephen Darby Ministries. Um, he passed away, but all of his um, YouTube videos are still um, available. Go to Stephen Darby Ministries. Um, he's he been he was he teaches on this stuff. Um, you can, you can Google, you can find information that's out there. You can ask Holy Spirit to lead you in the word where it is, but this information is there. The Bible says we got to seek and we shall find, right? We knock the door, be open. So once you get to a place where you're desperate and you start seeking and asking and going to God, oh, the door won't be open. He's going to give you the revelation. I didn't know a lot of this stuff. It just started coming out of nowhere because I started to seek. Because I was serious. I needed to understand what I was up against and how to undo it so I could be free. Because I was tired of being bound. And just like he did it for me, he can do it for you. But it is a process. And do it seem like it gets more difficult the moment you make the decision that you want to break free. The moment you make the decision, you want to break the generational curse. The moment you make the decision, you don't want to live a life so into your flesh anymore. Yes, it's going to seem like it's getting more difficult. Yes, it's going to seem like it's easier to, to do the very thing you want to stop doing. Yes, it's going to seem like, you know, at night, you, you all these thoughts come into your mind. That's why you got to cast down every high imagination. Right. There's a battle. And so it's like the enemy is going to fight to keep you bound. He don't want you to get free. What he wants to do is wear you out. That's why the Bible says, be not weary in well-doing for you shall reap if you faint not. What are you going to reap? Freedom. You'll be free. But the enemy wants to bombard you. He wants everything to start going crazy in your life. You know, he wants you to something happen, you lose your job. Something happen over here, you know, somebody betray you. Something happen over here, you know, you can't pay your bills. Something happen, if you got kids, your kids start acting crazy. Yes. But you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. All things are possible with God. If you keep your eyes on the mark of the high calling and forget those things would lie behind. Sometimes you just got to give it to God. You can't even deal with it. Because see, when you're on this journey, things going to come up. 
You're going to feel like you're not gaining no momentum, no traction. You're going to feel like no matter how what you do, like ain't nothing working and it seems like it's getting worse. That is just that is just the enemy. It's his illusions. His illusions are making you think that because, see, this is when you know that the enemy is really starting to lose grip on you. Is when you see him just really starting to try to go crazy in your life. Because normally when the enemy has a good hold on you, he just kind of keep you bound with the same thing that didn't kept you bound. Like when I was just sinning and fornicating and masturbating and, and pornography, he wasn't really attacking me with no other kind of sexual, you know, sins. Because he had me where he wanted me. I was already engulfed in these ones over here. So he wasn't really, you know, working on me. It wasn't until I decided I wanted to be free where, you know, all, all of a sudden, you know, I'm just trying to go to bed at night, minding my own business, not thinking about no sexual stuff, not even seeing nothing sexual. And all of a sudden, just something come over me. And I just feel this this overwhelming desire to, to, to have sex and to masturbate. I mean, I'm talking about that thing real. Where things coming in my bed, you know, holding me down. All of this stuff. Why? Because the enemy, he's frantic. Because he's like, oh, she, uh-oh, she she got some revelation. Uh-oh, her eyes has been open. Uh-oh, she knows, like, she's getting tools. Uh-oh, she's getting stronger. Uh-oh. So what is he going to do? What What is any enemy going to do? They're going to turn the heat up. Don't be discouraged. It is possible you can conquer your lust. But first, you got to admit admit it for what it is and yes you got to repent if something was done to you because in the spirit realm the 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 act of fornication is going to do what it going to do no matter how in the natural it happened is that unfortunate yes i'm not saying it's fair that's something you got to take up with god i don't know but what i do know is even if you were violated i was violated I still had to go and repent for molestation, even though I was the one molested. I still had to repent for rape, even though I was the one raped. Why? Because it's still sin and it still happened to your body. I'm going to get you free today. So listen, God wants you free. He didn't allow me to go through all that I went through to go through this process to get this information. Was it hard? Yes. Did I want to give up? Yes. Did I think it was unfair? Absolutely. I'm not going to even sit here and lie to you, but it was necessary because for me, I got kids and what I don't want, I don't want my children to be entangled with these same chains that I and many other of my family members and descendants and generations before me have been bound in. So if that means I got to put in the work, I got to go into the spirit, I got to pull down strongholds, I got to break heavy chains, then that's what I got to do. Because the Bible tells us a righteous man's steps is ordered by the Lord and he leaves an inheritance to his children's children's children. Well, what's the inheritance? The inheritance I want to leave my children is freedom. Freedom from this generational curse and stronghold of lust and masturbation and pornography and sexual sin and fornication. And then that opens the door to other things, addiction. So me and my family been on drugs or alcoholism, you know, lawlessness, waywardness, you know, just all of these things that I see, these patterns. See, that's another thing where you can start identifying the patterns in your family. It'll become easier to, to identify the root of what's what you're really dealing with. If you just sit down and take inventory of your family, what's the pattern? Is, is, is everybody mostly divorced? Is everybody sick? 
Is everybody on drugs? Everybody deal with some kind of anger issue or violence? Like, what is it? Failure? Do it seem like nobody can seem to get themselves together? You know what I mean? Like, what is it? Is it gambling? Is it sex? What is it? Like, we can look, you know, because a lot of times we were told growing up that, oh, you know, uh, granddaddy was a drunk and your daddy a drunk. And, you know, that's a generational curse. Everybody gets some kind of, you know, diabetes. Everybody, that's a spirit of infirmity. People die early. Nobody make it to 60. You know, that's a, that's a curse of premature death. These things are real. And we've been so normalized to them and think it's just something that happens that we just turn, we just think, you know, just shrug it off our shoulders. No, that's not God's best. That's not what God had in, in mind for his children. You can be free. You can be free. Is it a process? Yes. And the way my process was may be different. God, Holy Spirit may lead you to do it in a different way. And that's okay. But invite Holy Spirit in. Invite God in. Be honest with him. Be real. Be raw. Be transparent. You don't owe nothing to nobody unless the Holy Spirit tell you to. But this is between you and God. And when you get serious and stick with it, no matter how many times you got to get up and repent, no matter how many times you got to cry and snot and tear and beg God to help you, no matter how many, don't give up. Don't give up. I did it. I lived it. Many times. I had to fight those 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 tormenting thoughts that, oh, you ain't say you ain't a Christian. You don't love God because if you love God, why are you still masturbating? Why are you still fornicate? Look at you. Because that's the enemy's job. He going to accuse you. But the Bible says that he's the accuser of the brethren, but we overcome by the blood of the, the lamb and the word of the testimony. The blood of the lamb, that is the blood of, that was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. That blood covers you. And then the word of your te the testimony. This is my testimony. You, you sister, you can overcome by my testimony. You can take these tools and tips. You can take, you know, the things that I've experienced or the things that I've done and you can go to God and you can begin to, 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 to put them in practice and you can overcome. And then once you overcome whatever your, whatever your thing is, you can then go and help somebody else overcome. But what the enemy desires is for us to stay silent. Keep it to ourselves, suffer in darkness, keep our sin hidden, you know, keep putting on a face and pretending we are super Christian and we got it all together and be so holy, sanctified and full of the Holy Ghost and all these things. And we ain't struggling. And and what is that doing? It's keeping you in a, in, a, in pride and ego, a false sense of security, and it's keeping you in bondage. The, the moment you begin to speak. The moment, the moment you begin to reveal, the moment you begin to, you know, to, 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 to um, confess it, that it loses its power. Because now somebody can, you, you can go to a, somebody you trust and you can confide in them. The Bible says, confess your sins one to another so you can pray for another and be healed. Now you got reinforcements. Now somebody can partner with you in prayer. Because the Bible says two can put a thousand, one can put a thousand to flight, excuse me, one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put ten thousands. Right? That's more power. Two get a good reward for their labor. Right? There's power in numbers. So when you begin to apply the principles that's in the word, you will find that it's, it'll become easier. But if you just want to keep it to yourself, you embarrass somebody, going to judge you, somebody look down on you, how? The Bible says all have sinned. 
and fall short of the glory of God. So what? My sin ain't your sin. So I have sin. I might even still be struggling with sin right now. So who am I to judge? By the same measure, I'll be judged. So I can't judge, right? Because there's no condemnation for you who, and those are in Christ Jesus. So you have to apply the principles the same way the enemy is using the principles to keep you in bondage. You got to use these same, the principles to get yourself free. And it's a process. And it's not going to be the easiest. And it might get ugly. But God is with you. And if God before you, who can be against you? It's God's desire that you be free. No matter how long you've been in some type of bondage, no matter how long you have, you know, been overtaken by lust. So he told Abraham, is there anything too hard for God? Abraham was shriveled up, dried up, old man. And so his wife, her womb was always barren and she was past childbearing years and she was old. But yet still God still told them he promised them a son. Did it seem impossible? Yes. Did they have, was they dealing with barrenness for years and years and years? Yes. But did God's word come to pass? Yes. Did they have a son? Yes. The Bible says in Romans 3, let God be true and all men be a liar. So sometimes we got to focus on the, the truth of the word and not the reality of our situation. Because if the reality ain't matching up with the word, your reality is lying. You not bound. You not nasty. You not just a sinner. Once you became saved by grace through faith, you are a saint. And you just battling. You're not a sinner. You're a saint. You're a son. A son of the most high. And don't allow the enemy to rob you of that. All of us struggle. It don't matter what it is. But you can overcome. You have victory. Victory in Christ Jesus. He nailed it to the cross. He rose on the third day. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. He's ascended. He's, on, he's at the right hand of the Father. He's praying for the church. He's praying for the saints. God will give you, even if it's day by day, moment by moment, he will give you the strength you need to endure. And it is those that endure to the end that reap the reward. So you can be free. You can conquer lust. You can be pure. You can have purity after promiscuity. I don't care if you slept with every person in the city you live in. You can still be pure. God can still redeem you. He can still recover you. He can still wash you. You know how many times he the, the Bible called the Israelites prostitutes, promiscuous, because they were constantly worshiping other idols? Do you know how many times they cheated on God? How many different idols was in them that they prostituted themselves to and all that? The Bible says, and God continued to take them back. He never divorced them. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. You have to receive that. And the last thing I will say is a way to conquer your lust is to forgive yourself. Forgive yourself and see yourself as God sees you. He calls you blessed. Fearfully and wonderfully made. The head and not to tell the apple of his eyes, his beloved. You are God's inheritance. His special possession. He sent his only son to die for you. So don't let the enemy, don't let yourself, don't let society, don't let people, don't let a man, don't let nothing. 
still who you are, still the truth of the per- of the woman of God that you are. And there is nothing too difficult for God. He can restore you to like to where it's like you never did any of those things. We know Paul, who was Saul before he got converted, he was a murderer of Christians, a persecutor of Christians. He 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 imprisoned Christians, but he got to the place where he received the forgiveness of God so much so. And old had passed away. The Bible tells us old things passed away. And behold, we new creations in Christ Jesus. Your old history and past and the things you did in your past passed away. He was so free that he said, I've done no man no harm. Now, this is a man who was killing people. But he understood God's forgiveness and the the grace of the blood and how the blood will wash you and you will be a new person. You have newness of life. You will have a renewed mind, a mind of Christ. The old things you used to do is that God, the Bible tells us when we when God forgives us, He remember it no more. It's for, it's a, like the it's as far as the east is from the west. It's gone to Him. We have to learn how to forgive ourselves. Is it sometimes it, it's hard? And it's a journey. But it's possible. And you can have freedom. You can be free. And so I just pray that for you today. Every person who gets, and here's the replay, um, you, uh, Jonina on the live, I pray freedom for you. Freedom is the children's bread. Freedom is your portion. And sometimes we gotta, we gotta take our freedom by force. Cause the enemy ain't gonna give it to you. You're not going to just roll over because you got some kind of revelation and just say, okay, fine. I'm going to just let you go. No, even, even though Moses was sent by God to Egypt to tell Pharaoh to let his people go, Pharaoh still said no. They still had to go through a battle. God still, he still had to release judgment and wrath and plagues and all that on Pharaoh, which he was really challenging Egypt's gods. But that's all another teaching for another day. But even though freedom was their portion, God had heard their cry. He told Moses, the cry of the Israelites cry has come up before me. And I see, and I see the distress. So I'm sending you to go set them free. It wasn't without opposition. It wasn't without resistance. But did they get free? Yes, they did. And in the same way, you are free. You just have to walk in it. And you have to just trust God in the process. And don't give up. Because you too can conquer your lust. So... Ah, this is so powerful today. I didn't know where Holy Spirit was going to go with this, but I'm so glad that I yielded. And I pray that it's a blessing to you, um, Joe Nina. And I pray that any other woman that logs on, listens to, downloads, hears the replay, because this is for you. God loves you. He has a plan and a purpose for you. And the plans he has for you is for good and not for evil. To give you a hope in the future and to bring you to an expected end. He has no intention to keep you or to watch you this Staying in, in prison and bondage by different sins or different, you know, curses and, and, and patterns and vicious cycles. Jesus came to give you life and that you should have it more abundantly. And that's what I pray over you today, that the abundant life of Jesus Christ will overwhelm you and overtake you in Jesus name. So uh, we're at the end of the podcast. Today's episode, Is It Worth the Wait? Conquering Your Lust. 
Yes, conquer your lust. It is possible. And so, as always, I always want to leave you guys a way to connect with me directly. You guys can go to the website, www.redefiningmyworth.com. If you need a little more help or some one-on-one -on -one help, I do offer coaching. Um, and I do have a self-paced um, coaching um, program as well. I do one-on-one -on -one and group. So, again, you guys can go to the website at www.redefiningmyworth.com redefiningmyworth.com and I'll be happy, happy, happy to connect with you. You guys can just um, send a message to me, you know, just to connect with me um, and I will gladly get back with you. Um, we're in this together and I, my goal is to see you free and living the life that God has for you, living life of value and of, in your true worth. And so um, I'm here. I thank you all for joining in on today's um, episode of the Purity After Promiscuity podcast where we are redefining a word. Thank you.